0: Welcome to the Damn Good Marketing Podcast Season 3. We're asking the big questions this time around. Join us and find out what we're talking about. So Subha, search engines led by Google have uh, followed through very quietly with an interesting update they've made to their search engine policy wherein they no longer don't allow you to rank for ChatGPT written articles. On the parallel, as we know, a lot of authors have been suing OpenAI for using their books to you know, train its models. And there's an article on Search Engine Journal, which is one of the more renowned publications in the SEO space, which says, how to block OpenAI chat GPT from using your website content. And the subtitle is very suggestive, right? It says, chat GPT gets access to website content to learn from it. That's how we trained it. This is how to block your content from becoming AI training data. And it doesn't stop there. As of 8-9-2023, OpenAI has published a robots.txt standards file for blocking the GPT bot from crawling your website.
1: Oh, wow. Got it. I'm just thinking how many lawsuits is everyone
0: trying to avoid here?
1: <laughs> and uh, it's all confusing, no? I'm putting out a lot of content on my website. I mean, why am I writing these blogs? So that some robot crawls it and finds it. And- <laughs> <laughs> Preferably not the GPT bot, apparently. And it somehow lands up on a Google search. And now I have to also worry that the wrong robot doesn't find it. That uh, makes me think, content like ours, what is the misuse that you and I should be worried about? Honestly, are we even producing
0: enough to be misused, right? Like sometimes, yeah. I mean, if you have a GPT bot, I could sit now and write 40 articles, like what's to stop me? How do you compete, right? Like if I can make a listicle of a thousand things you should know before launching your content function. It's not hard today.
1: That's true. I get a John Grisham's anger and a lawsuit thing because I could give a prompt that says, write a you know 20-page short story in the style of John Grisham.
0: Right, right. right, And, and this is we'll your, yeah, this is your context. Like this is your environment. It's happening in the streets of Mumbai or whatever, right? Like there are so many opportunities, which is that interesting dichotomy. And sometimes I wonder like the, I really don't envy the job of a head of content at this point, uh, because this is way too many variables to keep up with. And whether you are de facto or you've been given that position, you're still somebody who's responsible for running a content function in these waters. So how do you do
1: that? Yeah. No, quite tough because we've uh, managed these roles for others in our earlier Aftars. We continue to support content in different ways. And we meet with folks who are running businesses and trying to generate good content. And there there were enough variables as is. (laughs) Right, right. And in fact, we've also, I mean, at least I have at some point also worked with
0: people who became heads of content in their own kind of spaces and rights. And there are many interesting transformations that have taken place in the industry, not the least of which is obviously the use of AI. And I think somewhere it brings in this idea of if we can all talk about everything under the sun, right? like what's to stop me from writing a science fiction novel, which is very accurate to the physics of it. There's nothing. Today, there's enough information and I don't even have to do the research. And therefore, if there are 10 billion topics that I can talk about, what should I still be talking about?
1: And, uh, you know, it just struck me that what you say makes sense. And it's makes sense because even in my own mind, I have confused social media versus what I want to say. Mm-hmm. Because on a daily basis, uh, you have access to so many other people and their thoughts that you've got used to commenting on topics you're way out of your depth. But what stops you from putting a comment? right? Or what stops you from saying, "Hey, I have an opinion or a view on this? Right. So today when you if you post something on sustainability or the environment, I can comment on it. But yeah. I'm not coming from any expertise. Well, neither am I right? <laughs> <That's> so... <laughs> But if as a consumer of content, I would rather hear something you have to say. Mm-hmm. Because you're in that space, you're thinking about it rather than me posing as someone who has an interest or a side interest or some thoughts about it. Because I have heard five other environmental lobbyists, right? No, that's so that's actually
0: interesting to me because what we're talking about is hierarchies and expertise. Right. So for me, somebody else, and there are several of them who I look up to in terms of where I get my climate information from. Um, And that's a very interesting nuance, right? Like if I am a business and this is my industry and I'm a head of content for that business, then where in that hierarchy would I fit? And I think we can err on both sides, right? Like one is to say, I'm an expert. I know everything and I'm at the cutting edge of technology, which is also dangerous. Uh, But there's also the risk of positioning yourself too low. Right. And we see this a lot with startups, especially wherein I think a lot of where you place yourself is dependent on how investor opinion reflects on you. Right. If, if I'm seen as a valuable company, then I'm allowed to have an opinion. And that's a very difficult cycle to break out of. So really where on that opinion hierarchy do you fit? I think that would be the first question to ask.
1: And I would not even counter it, but just take that one step further and say, OK, so there's a hierarchy, but at your level in that hierarchy, do you at least have clarity as to who is listening to you? Yeah. So if today you talk about sustainability, the guy who made the <laughs> Apple climate change video is not listening to it.
0: Absolutely. Right? And I wouldn't want him to also, right? Because he will think I'm an idiot. As I am is the point I'm trying to make. But there are
1: those who are listening to you for whom your content is is just at the level that they want it.
0: Right. Which brings up an interesting dichotomy even for other creators, including myself, to say, do I stay there? Hmm. Right. Or do I keep moving, assuming my audience is also going to evolve? Hmm. So one, we've established a hierarchy in terms of doing a very, I think, practical, objective reality check of where are my strengths? Where are my weaknesses? What are three topics that I feel passionately enough to talk about? Because what I'm counting on is the idea that even on a day when I'm not feeling motivated to do a lot of other stuff, I'm probably still consuming content in, in this regard. And for us, Subha, that applies to, say, pop culture. We are always trying to consume content around that. Maybe not always actively, or at least we are sharing it enough with each other, right? So mm-hmm. today, you know, if there's a Rajnikanth film and there's also a Shah Rukh Khan film that's fighting at the box office, We have something to say about that. And then also to make actually two lists, I would say. One is an objective moral inventory of what should I not be saying? Uh,
1: Oh,
0: so important. This is so important. right? No updates on my dog has diarrhea. There are probably smaller circles in which that conversation would make make more sense than than a business platform at least. Uh, And the second is a basket of things that I may be excited about or I may feel sufficiently motivated because it's my industry, but I'm not ready to talk about it, right? And again, I I want to go back to the Apple example of producing the Series 9 uh, fully carbon neutral as a product, which is what the claim says. And there's a long report supporting that claim as well. But the moment I saw that ad involving Octavia Spencer, my first thought was exactly that. Like, is it an ad or are they walking the talk? So also to be very conscious of the fact that today when it's possible to create and consume so
1: much information, people are also asking the question, how much of this is real? Somebody as big and influential as Apple is not going to put out this ad and not be able to back it up. Yeah, They are going to get questioned. Somebody is going to say this is greenwashing and many have said and they yeah. are going to uh, you know, deep dive into it. So they're going to be doubly sure or triply sure that what they are saying uh, is real. But you're right. How do we know who are we consuming what from? And I think we hit upon something when in, in that whole hierarchy of things also, there's another dimension of what is it that you do and mm-hmm. hence an expert at over a period of time. Or there are always enough people above you better than you, you know, started earlier than you. And a set of things that you are genuinely interested in.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Which you can also talk about, Yeah. not from the voice of an expert, but can I come along with you on this ride and learn more? Absolutely. And that's why that evolution component,
0: I think, becomes that much more significant. When we started Motley Crew a couple of years ago, uh, we could get away with saying, um, you know, we put the marketing back in digital marketing, right? And that, that's still, in fact, we stand by that. Uh, But the nuance of it has changed in the two years since we've started, right? No longer are people saying, hey, here's this shiny new object and I just want to be a part of it. Please, how do I get into the inner circle? No, right? People are understanding it is difficult. It is tough. We need somebody to do it and take care of both the technical and the creative aspect of it. And that's where we really, really just want you to come in and, you know, support us. And that nuance is very important for us to kind of also be mindful of because no longer can we send a pitch deck that says, have you tried these four things? No, the likelihood that they've tried those four things and they're tired of those four things is very, very high. So now we need to start speaking that language of saying, okay, here's a problem, here's the diagnosis, here's where we can do better. So a lot of, in fact, even the proposal stages have become us looking at campaign reports, us looking through a lot of data before even proposing anything to them.
1: Right. Very true. Or like you meet with so many content heads, like at least folks who are in charge of it. Yeah. What do you think is their biggest pain point?
0: Right. <laughs> everything Uh, but (laughs) I always like to I think and these days more and more I'm trying to do that as we do campaigns that have uh, more financial uh, you know value attached to them uh, the stakes are higher is if I think of that one person that you said which is the head of content as a pinpoint in in an infinite space and there are going to be branches outward and these are two-way streets right like There is communication from them to the others and communication from the others to them. And definitely for a head of content, a key other point in that ecosystem is going to be the person that they're trying to influence, whether that is an influencer in a buying journey or decision maker. And this is where we also say get very clear as to who are the seven people in the buying committee, right? So there is that committee, which I think is a big circle. I would use um, some of the bubble chart, you know, references here in terms of saying really draw a bigger circle. Give that circle the weight and importance that it deserves. But also, there are two other key stakeholders who are going to influence how that circle is impacted through you, right? The one stakeholder is your creative team: Uh, video producers, content writers, you know, ad planners. I would even go so far as to say account managers. All of these people have an impact on how that other bigger circle is is flowing through you. But also, I think one of the more underrated impacts, especially in B2B, more so in tech, is the product team, the sales team, the management team, whose unequivocal buy-in you need in order to be able to do any of these things. So for this road to not have potholes, you need that management team to be fully bought into the process, right? And you really need people to say, I'm willing to go all guns out on this plan, right? And this plan involves content. It could be explainer videos. It could be product demos. It could be us showcasing at an event physically and therefore we need supporting. It could be an email you send to close a sales conversation. Where along these touch points is the content team able to support, number one, And given that said and done, we we are operating in a very technically advanced domain. Where can I come in and contribute? Because the content team cannot imagine your product. Some of the people who came earlier in my life, at which point I didn't even know what I was doing, but I'm so lucky for those opportunities to have come up in that a lot of them started by giving me a product demo and saying, these are the screens. Uh, This is why we have this prompt here. This is why, uh," and I use the inventory management example because that's where I did a lot of work and we worked with a product which eventually has been sold to delivery, the logistics company. Uh, In that product, there were nuances which were so important to the writing that I was doing. So for me to say, uh, if you're going to do just-in-time inventory management, uh, these are the seven principles you need to bear in mind. At the back of my mind, I'm thinking, okay, in the product, there's this feature that's going to support the execution of that piece, right? And that logical segue can only happen when these three points in the ecosystem of a head of content uh, come together, which brings up the question of how, right? like if the job is to manage three different expectations, and that's why I said, it's not a very <laughs> easy place to be in right now.
1: Oh, no. They had my sympathies, and even more so now. But I think what all of this is coming back to, you're only as good as that brief that you get. Absolutely. So, yeah. Uh, even as a content head, or, uh, you know, how much clarity can you give yourself and everyone that, hey, these are the things that represent us that we want to be talking about. And here's yeah. why. This yeah. is how it addresses different stakeholders. And hence, you know, starting from. Largely from, uh, and as any company, you'll always start inward. So yeah. largely starting on, what am I good at? What am I doing? What do I want to say? And then incorporating feedback, like what does the customer also want to hear from us?
0: Right. Which okay. in, in some ways, I feel like a brief is managing expectations. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what it's supposed to do. I mean, it's finally, it's an A4 document or whatever it is, a storyboard. Mm-hmm. But what it's doing is it's telling these three different points, which unfortunately don't talk to each other as often as they should, that the common meeting ground is this, right? In the creation of this report, this white paper, this survey, this whatever else, this interactive line graph for for all I care, what we're trying to do is this meet this common objective and therefore feel free. And this is where repurposing comes into the picture, right? When we say repurposing, we don't mean take from LinkedIn and put on Twitter. What we mean is I've created this piece of content. I know it's valuable because my brief was good. How can I use it in as many different ways and contexts as possible? Where can I share it where it makes the most amount of sense to the other person that's receiving it? And in that how I just want to bring out a small nuance today, I think a lot of teams that are 10 and above run on Slack channels. Lots of interesting conversations happening there, right? So as a head of content, I would also keep my ears very close to that channel ground in terms of where are the different teams disagreeing? What is the product team saying, which is not translating to the sales guy? What is the sales guy saying, which is not translating perhaps to the design team? Where are they not able to see eye to eye? And how can content play a role in really even bringing some of these internal stakeholders together? And then that piece becomes a beautiful collaboration, which I can then distribute to you know the world outside.
1: Uh, got it, got it that worked well in some of the uh, engagements that we had hmm. is that you're creating a lot of content you need that one objective soul who is really thinking about how does this sound to the listener or the reader hmm. I mean hmm. in terms of a title it's the editor but you need one person who is not generating the content or is you know holding it so close to their heart but, but they can't be to... critical
0: about it. Yeah, 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 but
1: they need to see or they need to be able to tell you that, hey, this doesn't read like us or this yeah. doesn't sound like us or this is too technical or this needs to have some more references or examples or whatever it you need to hear so that you hit your audience in the best possible way. So true. And more and more, I think we need editors who
0: can come in and say, you know, okay, fine, produce how many other blogs you want to chat GPT the hell out of it. But how can I say it in a way that's nice? We've had a writer who's written some really nice headlines around infrared and the company that was this. So there was a nice natural rhythm to it, which she was able to extract. Uh, so I think that's the fun in, in the production, right? Like the reason we read is not only, or even for that matter, consume any piece of content is not only to be educated, but also to be entertained in some ways. And more and more as you know, the democratic access to being able to produce content goes out, we're gonna need more people to come in and add that uh, extra layer, I would say, of just making it more relatable more resonant, more relevant. And that's where I think editors will have a very interesting job in the future. And I'm sure editors who are able to kind of look at articles and say, hey, this was not written by you, will have that much more of a greater edge because they've got that instinct for how to make something
1: sound good. No, makes sense. Makes sense. So what do you want to leave this you know, now we've made them sound like uh, poor Harris Stoll who again woke <laughs> up this morning and had a Google algorithm change also thrown exactly. on Yeah, yeah. What What do you think are like the top three, four things that uh, they have to be, I won't say to do, but at least to be mindful of or to or to think about?
0: Yeah, number one, definitely, I think is to be, have that ability to consume as many diverse pieces of content through a critical lens of saying, this was nice, this was not nice. Uh, Some of these, maybe we could try and, you know, adapt to our um, use cases and policies and come up with slightly more, I think, creative interpretations of the channels and the media that exist out there. Like, I'm just thinking, you know, following up from the Slack example, uh, why can we not start a podcast with internal team members as guests? I mean, not me. I don't have a large enough team. But I'm saying, in any team that's got ten people and that's got people who are functional heads of different things, why do you need to have a podcast with guests coming from the outside? And, you know, you can just have a limited series, have a nice story around it. You know, let people come in and really experience the joy of building the product that you're building, right? And that could be a five-episode limited series, and you launch the product off the back of that. So there are many interesting ways to do things. Uh, Now that we don't have to be bound down by the production itself. And I know a lot of heads of content and editors have had that problem in the not so recent past, including myself, I've suffered of not knowing when the next article will come in. Right. If you give them a due date, will it happen? That's not a problem anymore. So how can you then really use that as a launchpad and, you know, take it to the next level? So that would be, I think, the first two things. One is to really consume and keep consuming and keep coming from diverse places And then translate that into how do you interpret this for my business, my use case, the brand that I'm working with. The third thing, I think in an ad agency, there is no, um, you know, as much as from the outside, we think there exists. There is no writer. There is no designer. These are all titles, right? If I'm good at Adobe, I'm called a designer. If I am not good at Adobe, I'm called a copywriter, you know, things like that. But what these people are, are studiers of the human psyche. Right? Mm. And in fact, some of the best campaigns in the world that have come from copywriters' minds don't have a single word in them. So really to go diverse in terms of the interpretation of some of our ideas. right? So again, it comes from observation, but also to say, if I identify as a copywriter, does that mean that's all I can do? Or can I also, you know, make a line art? I don't know, and explain it to the designer what I want. So creating those collaborative opportunities, I think, between... So if we really zoom into one of the circles, which is the creative team, there are so many people within those circles. So how can I really facilitate collaboration and trust amongst these people so that they're all able to walk up to each other and say, this is not working. I think this is what we should do. Or this is a great idea, but I think this is how we make it better. So more and more, as I'm saying that, I think it's becoming a, you know, almost a soft skill. What you need to be very, very clear on is that one singular vision, so much so that tomorrow when you do get called into a meeting to justify your, you know, functions, cost versus return of any number of those things, You're able to say, this is the vision that I'm working towards. So just come in and say, let's whiteboard this. Let's, for the next six months, know why we are doing what we are doing. And then it doesn't matter, right? Like make 10 creatives, make 20, make 40. I think today we live in a noisy enough world that the only thing that will stand out is is that resonance. And Mm -hmm. if we can make one thing that's extraordinarily resonant, I think um, we could all benefit from that.
1: No, no, that's awesome. I think um, it all came together... Very nicely and and very usefully, if I may. Uh, It's not an easy job and made tougher with, oh, there's a chat GPT and God knows who's actually writing what and all of that. (laughs) But uh, the core is still the same. Yeah. And some questions can
0: be asked in that regard, especially in organizations where maybe this is happening for the first time. It's okay to say, let's workshop this.
1: And there are tools
0: available to kind of make that happen. There are people available if you need that external, you know, kind of perspective. So just come in and say, let's think through this, right? Like, why are we doing LinkedIn in the first place? Like, why is no one asking that question? I think I would really start from there. Makes sense. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode on all things, how do I produce content at scale? Should I produce content at scale? And what is ChatGPG doing? And how do I become more efficient, more resonant as a head of content. We hope you enjoyed listening to us. If you have any questions, you know where to find us. The LinkedIn links are also in the show notes. And we really look forward to seeing you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Damn Good Marketing Podcast. We're so glad to have you here. If you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed making it, Please hit subscribe, follow, whatever is that big shiny CTA you see on whichever podcast platform you're listening to on right now. It would mean so much to us. See you next time.